I was down there and I'm not calling. Hey, Audrey, thank you very much. That was really good. I really appreciate you uh, telling the truth. I heard one cuss word when I was in the bathroom. No. <laughs> Bad little girl, you. And I want to thank my friends for coming, too. A lot of my friends are here from my home group. My sobriety birthday is May the 29th, 1991. MS and No Nonsense group. Our home group meets on Sunday nights at 6.30 in Hermosa, excuse me, <laughs> in Redondo Beach, which is, it's kind of like saying Watts, Compton. <laughs> I get confused. I'm from a close-knit community originally. I'm from the project, so, you know, everybody wants this city to be, you know, recognized. Um, and we and we meet over there, and we come here. We come here uh, often, uh, as often as we can. We're very busy as a group, and and uh, my life individually as a person is very busy. But uh, it, it would be absolutely monkey business if I couldn't make it over here. And we come over here, and we love this group. I mean, if you're new to Pacoima and you're coming here regularly, and, and you don't see the. Uh, the, the, I don't want to call it magic because magic is an illusion. Uh, but the miracle of recovery uh, just just flows out of this place, uh, and and we love it, and we and we try to emulate some of the customs that you guys here have here in our group. Uh, we come here and we learn from you people, and we respect Pacoima a great deal. Uh, I grew up in Watts. I am from Watts. Um, <laughs> I may not sound like I'm from Watts, but I am. I am from Watts. I went to school in the San Fernando Valley for six years. That explains the proper diction, but I really am from Watts. People going to show my Watts ID card or something, but I am from Watts. And I grew up in the projects, and my mama had six kids by six different men. And, uh, and, I, and I loved the projects. Uh, it's kind of like one problem stacked right in there next to the other one. And I, and I grew up over there, and, uh, and it's a very, very interesting neighborhood. I trip off people who try to act like they're from that kind of situation. It's really uh, very amusing uh, <laughs> and not real at all. And, um, and, uh, and, I, and I remember just, you know, you wake up in the morning after being, uh, you know, after being asleep, you wake up, you look around, and you see all the different things that, that, that the projects have to offer early in the morning. You know, um, and, you, and, 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 and for some reason, as an alcoholic, I can always adjust to whatever is going on if I really, really, really put my mind to it. You know, even if it's not real. You know, if I really just focus... Yeah, on this illusion or delusion, I can really, really live with you know in, in, in the insanity of that, and and so it's just a breeding ground for for this disease that I have, this alcoholism. Uh, and I remember living in that community and going to school out here. I went to Pacoima Junior High School. I graduated from Pacoima Junior High School, and I remember just sort of you know living in this in this in this in this in this idea that as long as I can get loaded. And, and, and as long as I can drink, you know, everything's going to work out, see? And I don't even care if it works out good. When I say work out, I mean I'm going to get another drink. And every drink I took was connected to the, the next one that I took. 
it was, they, was, they were always linked together. And, uh, and I just remember people trying to talk me down off the cliff of my own BS, you know. And I would never, never give in. You know, because my mind told me that I'm running what, I, I'm creating my own reality. I'm a captain of, the, of my soul and I am the master of my fate. And nobody's going to tell me nothing about nothing, especially if I don't agree with them. <laughs> and what I what, and through drinking and just you know, because my mother made alcohol look so fun, you know, and I just remember them sitting up playing big whiz all night and playing spades and talking real bad about each other. And next thing you know, I wound up with another sister. You know, I don't know. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and, and so we got all these kids and we got all these cards and we got all this booze and we got all these lies. And we got all these false beliefs, and we got the projects, and then we got me, you know. And uh, and, and 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 what and what what went down is I got chased out of that neighborhood, you know, really seriously. And uh, and and people don't drink the way I drink regularly, like I drink, you know. They just don't. And I and I can hang out with people, you know, like us. Like when I wound up on Skid Row. You know, I wound up living on 5th of St. Julian. That's where I, you know, I, I went there first. And for those of you who keep telling people that you were trapped in Skid Row in your mind, it's a different concept when it's really going on on your behind, right? Because I hear people in the meeting sharing that I was trapped in Skid Row in my mind. And that may be fine, but it feels a little bit different. You know, because I had it in both places, you know, in my mind and on my behind, you know, and I was down there, and I, and I, you know, I loved Skid Row, too, I liked it, I, I really did, I remember the first day I got off the back of that RTD bus, I threw those doors open, I felt like that white lady in that movie, The Sound of Music, where she's twirling around on that hill, and I was singing, and I loved it. I love, I love, I love Skid Row. I love the way it smells. I love how nobody's really bothering you about stuff, you know, and 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 uh, and all these fears that my sponsees tell me about. Sometimes I, I reminisce about how you know I didn't have to worry about nothing. These problems of abundance that everybody's so panically dealing with today. I didn't worry about none of that. <laughs> and I was living on Skid Row. And, uh, and what happened is I went, I went and I made, you know how you want to go make an amends, but you don't have these tools, you don't know nothing about AIDS, you want to go apologize to somebody in case you can get, you know, some more uh, alcohol from them. And, and I went back over to the projects, and my friends uh, saw me and they knew, you know, um, we got to beat him up. You know, he's a bad guy, and they chased me, and they did, and they and they physically assaulted me, and I could use some choice words, but I'm at Pacoima, and uh, and I was laying on the ground, and this lady came out from the Westminster Building. This is a community group where I used to do theater work with them when I was younger. You know, kind of like the little rascals on crack. And, 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 and so she came out and saw me laying on the ground, and she said, "You know, what happened to you?" You know, and 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 and, and that was like a moment of clarity for me when she said that. And I don't, you know, I did not know that alcoholism was running my life. I had not a clue. I really didn't. And nor did it really matter as long as I could get drunk. I don't care what you call it. Let's get loaded. You know. 
and I uh, and I got scraped up by that woman, and she took me to Killer King, Martin Luther King General Hospital, <laughs> and, uh, and they patched me up and gave me a shot of uh, an outside issue, and then I proceeded to go on. You know, thanks for the help. I'm fine. You know, run, run as fast as you can. You can't catch me. I'm loaded, man. And, um, you know, I'm on the go here. And I remember going over to my aunt's house, and she wouldn't let me in the house because of the way I lived, the way I smelled, and what I was doing, you know. And she just told me, you cannot come in here. And that really shook me up because my auntie always let me in, you know. And she told me I could sleep on the garage floor, though, the floor of the garage. And I went down there and I slept in that garage, you know, on that floor in there. And uh, my little play sister, uh, she brought me some food, uh, some cold chicken that morning. It was some cold chicken. Chicken is chicken. Some chicken, whether I'm homeless or not. And uh, they brought me some chicken, and I just felt like a like a like a creature. That had finally been captured, and I'm in the garage, and they, they you know, you know, I push it under the door, you know, and I get the food, you know, and then, and then I get that. Bill, Bill Wilson talks about that fierce determination to do battle. It comes back again, and this is after I've sworn it off. I've been captured by the love of my family, and I'm still trying to figure out how I'm going to get, be, and stay loaded. See, and, and and I'm a wild animal, and I can't deal with reality. I, I gotta get, I got some. Somebody's gotta get some Boone's Farms in here or something, you know. And 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 the party was over, and my mind keeps saying, "Where's the party at? Party been over." But my mind, that's if you're a newcomer, the great obsession, and you don't feel like grabbing over a dictionary in Ebonics, the great obsession is, is, is that thought or that phrase, where the party at? Where's the booyah? Where is the, where is the, where is it? You know, and, 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 and I'm here to share that that was over, and, and delusionally, I still try, you know those old cars, cars, I'm still trying to crank it up. My mother won't let me in the house. I'm, I'm sleeping on the garage floor of my aunt who always spoiled me and gave me whatever I wanted. I, I, I'm addicted to not bathing my body. I am obsessed with not getting uh, some hot water up on my behind. And my mind is still telling me, where's the party at? Yeah. And, 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 and finally she said, you need to go down to Big General Hospital and see if those people down there can help you. See if they got some kind of a program or something. It's my auntie. So she gave me uh, a couple of bucks to catch the bus. Why would she do that? I have no idea. <laughs> but to start my recovery, uh, I must go get a 40 ounce. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to stay sober, you better get drunk first. That's <laughs> my mind telling me stuff like that. So I go get drunk so I can go get sober. You know, and I go down <laughs> to Big General. And I, I, all I remember, and this is vague for me, and I, I don't want to give a drunk a log, but all I remember is... This little old white lady in this booth. It was almost like I was in a dream. And she said, 
go down to El Centro. It almost was like I'm playing Zelda, the video game. I'm going to these different things. And so I go here, and the little old white lady is telling me, go to El Centro. Maybe they can help you, which is a little drug addict, alcoholic referral place down the street from uh, Big General Hospital. So I kind of hobble on down there, and I met this man named Ronnie Macias. Ronnie died a couple of years ago. And he, uh, he saved my life, is what he did. You know, he took me and he put me in a hotel room over on 7th and Vermont for seven days. Uh, and he gave me some bus tickets in order to get over there, and a miracle happened. I didn't sell the bus tickets. <laughs> See? And I went over there, and I lived in that hotel for seven days, and every day I would come back and forth to his office. He would let me use the phone, and he was trying to find a program to put me in. And on the last day, I stayed up with this little Jewish guy at the hotel, and we drank beer, two 40 ounces, and we talked about the conflict in the Middle East until 4 in the morning. And then I went to sleep, and I woke up, and Ronnie told me to come down there and go downtown to the Volunteers of America building and pick up that phone and call a lady named Yolanda at a place called Warm Springs Rehabilitation Center. And I called that lady... After I saw a roach on the ground and I picked it up and I hid it and walked around the corner once again to get loaded in order to stay sober. And, uh, and she told me that I had to have seven days in order to go to Warm Springs. And that's why Ronnie had me in the hotel, I guess. And I just told her, wait a minute, I really want to stop, but I got loaded this morning. I'm sorry, we're going to push this back. She said, get on the van anyway. And I was on May the 28th of 1991. I've been sober ever since. You know, I chose the next day for my sobriety day because you know how we are. And, uh, and, and now I'm going to share about recovery. Uh, I just can't believe that I started cooperating with those people. I don't know where that power came from. Because I see so many people nowadays in my recovery. I'm 19 years sober if you missed the cake of... So, because when I was new, I would come in and out of meetings sometimes. I, I took a gig earlier, now I'm up here, I'm the speaker now. <laughs> we got new people in here, but I can't believe that I started cooperating with these people. Like, why? why would, and, I, and I would see all my friends going through the rehabilitation center, uh, swearing off, you know, that part of the doctor's opinion where we see, you know, um, that we're in trouble, we know we're in crisis, we're emerging from a spree, we got this firm resolution, we're never going to do it again. I'm never going to do it again. The gig is up. And unless I find some sort of, you know, stimulation in which the way alcohol did me, I wind up doing it again anyway. And for some reason, you know, at that rehab that day, it was a Wednesday, and I just remember... Uh, you know, not um, fighting it, not just going, well, i got to get loaded somehow. You know, and those thoughts were, were slowly leaving me, and for some reason it just sort of felt, you know, that night after that first, first, first AA meeting I ever went to in my life, I'm laying in that bunk, and I'm saying to myself, wow, what if this is really the time where it really could happen? What if this is the night? What if this is the time where it could really happen? Well, I'll, where, where I'll finally, you know, shut up, okay, and listen, 
and do what somebody tells me about my current condition. You know, and I had no idea where that came from. But thank God it showed up. And, uh, and I wound up going to a meeting that next morning. It was a book study. And I, you know, I seen this book, and I said, oh, Lord, they done got the Bible up in here. <laughs> and me and, 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 and my uh, co-worker here in Janae in retirement, our little, you know, our hustle, I, the Bible scares me at that moment in my life. Don't bring the Bible nowhere near me. And the counselor, Russell Cole, is from the that's not the Bible, that's the big book. <laughs> it's not the Bible. You know, um, and they say that the Bible, uh, the acronym is, is basic instructions before leaving earth. Is what the Bible is. And, uh, and I, uh, I could never leave this earth, man. I always woke up grounded in the reality of my own crap. I never could get off the planet, man. And I don't care how much drinking I was doing, I was trying to escape. And, uh, and, and I went to that book study and I listened to those people. And, uh, and I got really scared because I started thinking about, it, much like here, at Warm Springs, the steps were on a wall in the dining hall. And I was sitting there reading them. And I figured they were like algorithm, like word problems. Because I, you know, I was declared gifted in the sixth grade by the LA Unified School District. <laughs> I'm a smart drunk. <laughs> and so I'm solving the steps my first AA meeting. And I, and I was looking at them and I said, you know, these people may really have something. <laughs> I really, I really, you know, now this is a guy with no underwear on. I didn't have no clothing when I went up there. I left my clothes at my brother's house because I owed that dude some money and, you know, I didn't want to go back over there. So, but I'm here, you know, um, and, I, and I, I've had a good night's sleep, you know, uh, by way of uh, vomit and uh, diarrhea. And I'm up now, and I'm in the dining hall at Warm Springs, and I'm solving the steps, you know. <laughs> and, and, and I see, I, and, I, and <laughs> one part, one of my thoughts is, I can, I kind of see where they're coming from. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I, what I did up there is I just got involved. I was one of the most annoying residents that Warm Springs Rehabilitation Center ever had. You know, and what I did is whatever they needed me to do, I just did it. I was the head switchboard operator there. I ran the LIP Center, the Literacy Improvement Program, with no high school diploma. Uh, I taught four classes in the LIP Center. Um, I was a dorm councilman. Um, and uh, I was a liaison from residents to staff while I was there, plus I was involved in a theater therapy program, which I was the original uh, intern for the, uh, in the first year they had ever done it. So I was very, very, very busy not working the steps. And I remember just being so smart in treatment. <laughs> the smartest guy in the rehabilitation center. And uh, it came time for me to leave. 
And I, the program is a 90-day program. I was there for 11 months. <laughs> so I'm there, and I'm leaving, and I'm getting ready to leave, and I'm scared because now i gotta go. I got to go out into the community and, and live this thing and really pray to a God of my own misunderstanding. And, and, and really, and really, and really, and really, and really touch base with the fact that I'm out of touch. I, I am a dodo bird when it comes to functioning outside of this world of drinking. When I'm drunk and I bump into reality every now and then, it doesn't matter because I don't even know it. <laughs> but now I'm sober and I don't I don't I, I can't I can't deal with it. So I wind up at a place called the Open Door Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous in Lancaster, California. That was my original home group. And I met a man there named Dennis Lee. Okay. And uh you know. He talked to me at a noon meeting, you know. And uh, he was talking to me about steps one, two, and three. And I told him that I'd already done my step packets at Warm Springs, the green, the blue, and I think it was kind of an orange color. I had done the rainbow packet work on the steps. Um, and he told me that since I knew so much about steps one, two, and three, that I could get started on my inventory. But first, I needed to learn what he knew about steps one, two, and three. And that kind of threw me off a little bit. Because the smartest resident in the world at Warm Springs was no longer living there. And I had no idea what he knew about those first three steps. And as a control freak weirdo <laughs> with no real information to live by, I was a little curious. So I began to shut up and let him show me some stuff. And then I would think about him and talk bad about him behind his back to myself. <laughs> and it worked. And, uh, and he took me through the steps and he would come and pick me up and he gave me these little writing assignments because I didn't have a job and I wasn't going to school and my social calendar was open. <laughs> and, and, and he began to tell me what to do and he said that we need a dictionary we got to look the words up because it seems like you're pretty smart and we don't see too many of you smart people making around here and I looked at him and I could see the racism coming out he's <laughs> prejudiced and he's embarrassed that a black man of my type has started figuring out what's really going on around here. But I didn't let anybody know he was a racist. I went ahead and did what he told me to do anyway. In Florida. And, uh, and he would take me over to his office and every, every, every other night or so when I had to work then, he would go read. And uh, most nights we read in his car. He used to have this little bitty small Volvo, four-door four Volvo. And we would read in that car. And uh, one night he was taking me home. And he was listening to his style of music that he likes. And I reached for the radio. And uh, he acted like a black man that night. <laughs> <laughs> and so I began to draw back. You know, you know, 
man taught me a lot of stuff. I grew up without a father, you know, and uh, and he let me know that he was not him. <laughs> and he told me exactly what I needed to hear when I needed to hear it, and the only way I know that is because of now, not be- back then, because I'm sober, and he died sober. And that's how I know he knew what he was doing, because of where I am today trying to do it. You know, and I'm grateful. And that man took me, and he loaned me that tie, and I went and got that job. And I came out of that door smiling, and he kind of smiled a little bit. And then he changed his face and said, give me my tie back. (laughs) (laughs) That tie, and it's... He took the tie back. I thought we had made a bond that day, but uh, <laughs> not at all. You know, and I, he just treated me like alcoholism was real, it was fatal, and it needed to be dealt with. He always treated me like that. You know, even up to when I moved out of the community, alcoholism is real, it's fatal, and it needs to be dealt with. You know, and as an alcoholic, particularly when I'm not drinking and I really think I got control over how I'm thinking, I could get caught blinking when it comes to this disease and wake up, you know, stunned, baffled, and drunk. See, because I wake up loaded. I know people plan away from drinking. And this is a plan of recovery, you know, because this is, you know, it's, it's recovering from the damage and the brutality of this disease. It is not for me to gain some sort of power within myself to do battle one more time. That's my history. You know, and, 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 and that always uh, causes trouble. I'm a surrendered alcoholic today. I'm not here to fight anybody about anything. That's one of the reasons why in my earlier sobriety when I started sponsoring people, one of the things that he taught me was don't debate the program with people you're trying to work with. Because when you do that, they just might win the argument. And if I'm arguing with somebody that don't even want to be here, that ain't even done all the work, and they fool around and win that argument, uh, you know, uh, two people with a little bit of sobriety can pull together a a, a (laughs) forty-ouncer. So I'm not here to argue with sponsees and stuff. Uh, I have some friends here tonight who will tell you that, you know, I raise my voice. You know, people say, well, we don't yell, we use love. When you're talking to these people you sponsor, just love them. And I'm here to share that love has different tones to it. There's shades of love. <laughs> and mine is black. <laughs> I'm not playing around with this stuff. I've seen too many of my friends with too much sobriety blinking at the fatality of this stuff. Throwing away years of sobriety. Talking about I felt a certain way that day. And I got loaded. You know, one of my icons, one of the people I had on a pedestal, one of the people that I respected. 26 years of sobriety. And he got involved with some newcomer. You know, and left his wife and the kids. You know, and they both got loaded. Now, some say, "Well, yeah, you know, that's gossip." And no, that's Satan facts. This disease is very powerful. 
very powerful sickness here. And, uh, and I'm not well. You know, when you look up the word well in the dictionary, and they don't have a little picture of my black face right next to that word. <laughs> I have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. You know, of myself I am nothing, my father doeth to works. You know, I'm basically here on borrowed time. Everything in my life today is on loan, including my relationship with this group. And all I got to do is start turning my back and ignoring facts. And I'm out of here, Jack. You know, and, and, and what happens is I, I wind up starting working with these people after he gets me through the steps. He says, you got to go sponsor these people. You know, because we used to make fun of him because he sponsored a lot of people. Me and my friends, we gossip. You know, look at him. He's trying to control up. There he is again, working with somebody else. You know? What about me? You know, and he used to tell me the reason why I'm sponsoring so many people is because so many people aren't. And uh, my friend Bobby and some of these other people, they was listening to this speaker one time, and he said, can you imagine if every man and woman in Alcoholics Anonymous would get off their comfort zone and sponsor one guy or one gal? If everybody here that has gone through the steps was sponsoring one woman, one lonely woman, one sick guy, you know, it would turn this fellowship on its head. And I'm just really grateful that I'm in that number, man. I'm trying to carry the message, and it's really, really hard sometimes because I'm a human being, and I have desires that come into my head which oppose the grace of God, purely based on my defects of character. And uh, if I'm not careful, and if I'm not involved, and if I'm not in prayer, and if I'm not doing that inventory, not in my mind... <laughs> Because we got people that do the inventory in their mind. But if I don't put pen to paper and get those fears down and start really opening up and stop just giving you the showman sobriety, the dog and pony show of my, you know, crap, if I don't stop doing that and really get down to the causes and the conditions of my fears, you know, I'm out of here too. I'm an alcoholic. You know, I always have been able to talk good about things that I like. But on top of that, I have alcoholism. And I want it to be alcoholism. Because alcoholism would just be so easier to deal with. You know, because you don't have to worry about those amends. Don't have to worry about how you talk to people and what they look like and how you just sort of float around drunk. I need to be involved with the fact that I have alcoholism. Now, I don't carry this around as a fear all day, but it has to be a part of the core of my reality. I mean, what am you know, I, I'm supposed to be on 5th and San Julian selling me, my brother's clothing, and anything I can get my hands on to get that next train. And I'm speaking in Pacoima tonight. And then I'm going to go over to the late night meeting we do on Tuesday nights in Burbank. <laughs> But I'm the next homeless tramp and a whore and a bomb. Something happened to me. It's my job to ethically come and tell you the truth about that. Something happened to me. That's why Bill wrote this book. Something happened to him. Remember, he didn't even need the book to get sober. He wrote the book so we could stay sober. And uh, something happened to that man. Some power. Something got got to him. You know, and... Uh, 
he didn't even realize it until he got to another drunk for real, you know. And that guy turned out to be this uh, behind doctor, this proctologist. Um, and he went and he went over there and he helped that guy, you know. And I'm starting to realize now with some time sober that unless I'm helping other people, I don't see the reality of my sobriety. All I see is I'm trying to get mine before somebody else gets it. And I ain't got time to be uh, altruistic. The group needs what? I gotta pay my gas bill. <laughs> you know, and, uh, and I'm here to share that, you know, meetings are powerful, uh, uh, but groups are what set those things up. You know, and I'm here today to share that uh, my home group has really taught me a lot of stuff here lately that I wasn't really in touch with for, uh, for a couple of years. Kind of dry when it came to the maintenance of the group. Kind of asleep at the wheel about the needs of the group. What does the group need? Do I need to quiet my, my personal ambition so the group can survive? I mean, they say that in the literature, but my lips and my motives got me somewhere else. I'm working on my life and my career. I, you know, I'm busy. But what about those people that weren't so busy when you draw your new butt up up in here? What about those people? <laughs> Why were they sitting here making sure that the lights were on? You know. Thank God my original sponsor wasn't too busy, you know, to help me. Thank God that he was connected to the group and not just tripping off of his ego and the things that sensationalized him in the meeting. Thank God that he uh, helped them keep that door open when uh, a lot of people didn't have no money and stuff. You know, thank God that Dr. Bob sold his house to make sure that we could be sitting here almost 80 years later. You know, I mean, you guys got a pretty good speaker here tonight. <laughs> thank God, man, that people know enough about the traditions to keep people like me at a certain right-sized level about my condition. You know? and, and, and they put the group first, and then you realize, or I realize, that I am a part of the group, so I'm being taken care of. You know? My gas bill today was $3.06. That was my gas bill. <laughs> And then I want to help a newcomer, and they, the girl or the guy will say, well, I haven't eaten in four days, you know, and then I'm digging around in my pocket trying to find out which bill I'm going to pull out. You know, I got a lot of nerve when I'm all done telling you about all the blessings. You know, I still need help. You know, I, 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 I sometimes forget that it's about God's sponsorship and the steps. I start thinking that it's about ambition, you know, my stuff, and how I need to stay ahead of you. And I'm bottomly mentally different from people who get to live like that. That's not the fourth dimension of existence for me. You know? and, and, and I love, you know, this group. I see this group here, uh, and I don't know enough about it, you know. And, and I'm willing to learn today. We got our little group, and we're, we're responsible as a group for three meetings a week. 
and and we're just trying to you know we have bare 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 minimum bare to minimum expenses. That's all you know. All we worry about is how we can be effective, you know. And that's something that I didn't know how to do when I was new. All I cared about as being a newcomer is once I get all the stuff that I see them flashing around us, then I'm going to be happy. And that's just not how it works. You know, there's a reason why some of these people have some of this stuff around here. And it's not because they've just been sitting around living in fear, grabbing and taking from people. You know, and there's some soldiers around here that are pillars in recovery. And, I mean, a pedestal is made for books and statues, and, but there, there's some people around here that are really, really in love with this stuff. And I want to be with those people. You know, I don't sit in the visitor section of Alcoholics Anonymous ever. <laughs> and that's not how I got loaded anyway. That's not how I got loaded. I, you know that joke, you know, there's a breakfast, there's eggs and there's ham. The chicken makes a little bit of a contribution, but the pig makes a total sacrifice. <laughs> and I see people laying a lot of eggs. You know, they lay a couple of eggs, and the next thing you know, they fly, they fly the coop. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm not here to lay eggs, so, you know. I, I, I want to be committed to alcohol. That's how my original sponsor passed away. The night that he passed away, there was a newcomer that he was taking through the steps of the bedroom. He was letting that guy live over there. He spoke at his funeral, you know. And I, my sponsor died. He didn't have a lot of money and stuff, you know. But that newcomer was staying over there eating because he didn't have nowhere to go. And uh, that guy got up and cried and shared at his funeral. That's what kind of that's what I'm working on right here. That was the pig story. Total sacrifice. You know, uh, my friend Paul, he uh, brought up this uh, weird, crazy definition of the word altruism. And it's almost like the, the species or the animal will, will put his own uh, life at risk uh, uh, to preserve the movement, the herd. And it's like I come to the meetings and everybody looks comfortable. It don't look like ain't nobody sacrificing nothing. <laughs> But my time to hear their problems, they'll sacrifice that, you know. And uh, and that's not the kind of sobriety I grew up with. That's those guys were running around there making sure that us new people didn't destroy what they were building for us. <laughs> those guys were running around making sure. He said, so how do I do the secretary? The previous secretary is supposed to show you. How do you make the coffee? The girl that just got through doing is supposed to show you. How are you using GSR? What's that? The old GSR supposed to show you. You know, and one of the trends that I've been seeing is just, you know, let me lay my egg, put my legacy to the group, and then fly away. <laughs> you know, and that's just not AA. That's not what these books are saying. You know, Bill and them in the service manual, we were laughing in front of our headquarters last night, Paul and I, it's like, they finally realized, wait a minute, we might die. <laughs> you know, because we get so, you know, we be rolling, hey, what's up? You know, you don't know, well, shit, my life may end. You know, what am I going to do? I'm going to make sure that other people know what to do. 
And what's cool about that is everybody can join in on that responsibility. The highest rank in the program is sober. Everybody can make sure the lights are on. You know, even if you just help by turning them off. You know, because I didn't come here with no money either. Um, I'm just really grateful that I'm not lost in the dark of my own selfishness and self-centeredness trying to hide a self-determined objective like I don't have defects of character and I don't know how to help out. Now we're over 10 years sober. I don't want that man's spirit haunting me. I want to be free today. You know, <laughs> sometimes it seems like there's alcoholic banshees right here. You know, I don't want, I live by myself too. I don't have anybody in the house. And I don't want to turn and see him there, you know. Why are you being so selfish? <laughs> um, I love AA, man. I love these people, these people, man. I got sick and I had to go to the, I'm all over the place. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if you're new and you can't follow along. <laughs> but, uh, I went to the hospital again, and I was bleeding to death again. And they finally found out what was wrong. But my friends came up there, and they had a meeting, and they put me on the floor where there's a little hallway area that's perfect for a little meeting. And all the AA friends, the ones that could come, because we all live, have lives and stuff, they showed up, we had a meeting. You know, and I didn't get a chance to plan my own death because they stopped me. Because, <laughs> you know, the you know we get, I get depressed. I don't know about you, but I deal with depression. You know, a lot of this stuff that goes on in my head doesn't vanish in a twinkling. And, uh, and I'm sitting in there, and my friends come down, and they have a meeting. You know, and then, uh, and, and, and nobody says anything to us. It's like security doesn't come and go, hey, what are you people doing in there? <laughs> nobody said nothing to us. We had the meeting, we prayed, and then they left. You know, and it's just like, that's what's here, newcomer, this weird spirit of uh, the fellowship. I used to think that Alcoholics Anonymous was a place, you know, and I didn't realize that it was just a way of life. That there's a spirit involved in this thing. That, see, we don't beg people. After the start, after see, it says we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. And once you start, we don't beg. So it's like when you talk about the needs of the group and what needs to be done, uh, we lead by example. You know, and there's people in, my, in, in the group that just put it all out there, man. And if you learn from that, you do. And if you don't, you're probably going to leave anyway. The less electricity will be burning up in here, I guess. But see, uh, I saw people that you, they did stuff without even being asked to do it. I don't know why I'm talking about this. They weren't asked. They just do it. And then you go, wow, that's being done. And to keep me from being a spoiled little brat, doing whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do it, including think and drink all day, maybe I'll do with the, do, the, the stickers and say stick with the winners. Well, uh, the winners are the stickers, the people that stick, that stay. Let me mimic and model their behavior. Let me see what they're up to. Not gossip about them and figure out how wrong they are about stuff. But try to figure out what they're doing to uh, take care of people like me when, they, when I show up and I'm new. You know, there's some stuff going on like that around here. And this is spiritual kindergarten. I fail miserably at a lot of the stuff I'm talking about. 
But I give him my best shot on most days. I'll share a little bit about my job. I'm going to sit down. I work with these autistic children. I am an ABA therapist. I help with that. And uh, we're working with one little boy. And uh, he has, they call it, they lose the information that we've been teaching for over a year now. And uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, some of the deficits of this stuff is pretty, you know, it's, it's kind of harsh. And uh, so it's scary, you know, to see the training and, and to see the teaching and then come back a couple of months later and the kid don't know nothing. It's like you got to start all over again. And uh, I'm just grateful that we don't just get together and go, well, he lost it, so let's move on. Um, we, 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 we start all over again, you know. And, um, and in Alcoholics Anonymous, who we are is who we were. And if you're confused, or if you're new, or if you've been around for a while and you're kind of losing touch with what AA is for, they got books, people, experience, uh, and a treasure trove. Uh, I went to New York and I went to the GSO. And I was walking around up there in the museum and they showed all the pictures of all the, the history of this stuff. This is not a bridge to nowhere. This Alcoholics Anonymous is very powerful. And if you're new and you're sitting around wondering whether or not you can stay sober or not, the answer is yes. But you got to do what we're doing. You know, you don't go to Taco Bell and start ordering hamburgers and stuff. <laughs> they have a specific menu there. Because <laughs> I, I see people walking into the uh, metaphoric AA restaurant and they're ordering all these other things. You know, and, and, and my service manual talks about a singleness of purpose. You know, and I want AA to be all these other things because my ego is growing now and it must be fed! You know, and, uh, and that's insanity. In other words, with 19 years sober, uh, I need to be in touch with what some of those people were doing when I got here 19 years ago. You know, uh, and I and I and I still see some of it, and I'm very I'm very grateful. You know, if you're a newcomer, there's hope for you. You can you can you can you can do a lot of stuff, and and and, and that misery, and that darkness, and that shame, and that guilt. Page one twenty four says that that could be used to avert misery and death. It's like all the dark stuff I came here with, all the you'll never catch me in a church stuff I came here with. That stuff can be used as a light for somebody else to come out of their stuff. And, and, and the highest rank is sober. It's like when I wanted to leave Warm Springs as a resident, I would go and sit out on that on that brick wall out in front of the, the building, the general service building, and watch those new guys get off that van. And, and even though I hadn't taken the steps and I wasn't you know, smarter than the average man, I knew that those guys were smelling and feeling and looking worse than me. I've been there for about four or five months. And so, you know, I see some of the girls from Oasis, you know, if you feel like leaving, talk to somebody that really needs to stay. Even if it's you on certain days. <laughs> I had to get, I had to, I had to deal with that stuff. Because my whole life, and I swear I'll be quiet, uh, my whole life was centered around me, myself, and I. What do I think about it? What am I going to get out of it? Who do I get to sleep with? How much money do I have? Where's my stuff? How come you're not respecting me? 
and uh, he said the I was nowhere written in the steps the word I, we do this stuff together he says no you got to take the steps for yourself yeah but not by yourself we admitted we were powerless over alcohol that our lives had become unmanageable everybody wants the word the first word of the steps to say we happily you know and then happily there's a lot of stuff I didn't happily do here you know uh, when the IRS took that money back those little jokers I'll share this 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 uh, I want to talk about this flag a little bit more I was sharing about this on Sunday this flag uh, it, it, this flag is really important for me because what it symbolizes is the fact that I'm not God and, uh, and I fight and I argue and I think and I miss out and I'm selfish and I don't help and I'm on the right side of the flag today and I don't want to miss out my big book says I, I, you will not want to miss it. You know, I don't miss out on helping my group when they need help. I don't miss it. You know, Even when I go out of town, I'm trying to figure out what's going down. I don't miss it. I, 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 miss, I don't miss out on it. I, I was talking to um, somebody here on Sunday. She was telling me how busy she was. and She's got this commitment, and I don't know. I haven't been here in three weeks. I said, girl... That don't sound right. <laughs> and she said, yeah, you're right. That's why I got over here this morning. I'm going to a business meeting. I'm not too busy to be uh, in the grace of God. Yeah. I'm not too busy to be in the grace of God. Um, I love Alcoholics Anonymous, and I love Pacoima, and I appreciate you guys having my friends, our group over here, and we look forward to learning more things from you. When the student is ready, uh, the teacher will appear. Uh, we come here for, for that for that uh, that belief. It's a good place for that. Thanks for letting me share. Uh -huh.